grab our Bibles this morning, turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. This is, honestly, I believe this is going to be our last lesson in the book of Ephesians. At least that's my, uh, my plans today. And uh, if you're keeping count, I believe this is the 37th lesson that we've had in Ephesians, which is exactly how many it's supposed to take. So we, we ended up right on time. We did, we did a great job there. I'm glad that y'all were able to stick through it and make it all the way to the end. Uh, last week we went over the sword of the spirit and when it is and is not supposed to be used. Remember these uh, spiritual uh, armor that we're, we're given from God. It's, it's used uh, for several different purposes. And we, we've went over heavily the, the enemy that the, that the Lord has given us that, that those weapons on this armor for, which is found in verse 12. It says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Last week I made the point of the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. It's not to be used against brothers and sisters in Christ, not against them. They are not our enemy. It's to be used against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, and, and, and our enemies. You know, those, those are the ones that we're, that's the reason the Lord has given us that sword. But let's pick things up. This morning, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, the Bible says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak." But that ye also may know my affairs, and how I do, Tychicus, a beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, shall make known to you all things, whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose, that you might know our affairs, and that he might comfort your hearts. Peace be, the, peace be to the brethren, and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, Grace be with all, with all them that love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Amen. Let's pray. So remember, I, I, I won't read it again, but remember who our enemy is there in verse 12. I say I won't read it again. Of course I'm going to read it again. Uh, it says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So see, we know that God has equipped us to stand and fight against this enemy. Okay, we've, we've just went over. He gives us the belt of truth there. We have breastplate of righteousness. We, we call it our, our gospel shoes or gospel boots, whatever you want to call it there. He gives us the shield of faith. He gives us the helmet of salvation. He's given us the sword of the spirit. But the, what we're getting to now is now that we are equipped, what is our battle plan and what is our strategy? What are we supposed to do now that we have all this equipment that the Lord has given us to fight against the enemy? What are we supposed to do now? There are three things that I want to point out to you that we need to do once we're armed with the whole armor of God. Okay, and this is, this is what we're going to, going to conclude on this morning. First, I'm going to list and I'm going to give you all three and then we're going to go over them in detail. Uh, we're, we're found uh, in verse 18. The first thing we're supposed to do, it says pray always. The first thing you're supposed to do whenever you're uh, clad in the whole armor of God is to be praying. It says pray always, number one. Number two, watch out for one another. Praying always, verse 18, with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. 
Remember the whole context here is spiritual battle, spiritual warfare, whole armor of God. We're to look after the spiritual needs of one another. Okay, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. That's the second thing. Third thing, look at verse 19. He says, and for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. What's Paul saying there? He's asking them to pray for him. So the first thing is pray always. Two is watch out for the spiritual needs of one another. Number three is just pray for your spiritual leaders. Okay? So let's look at the first one. Praying always. With the first two words there in, in verse 18. Praying always. Well, what is prayer? Prayer is the communication with God with the desire that he's going to intervene in the situation. We're asking the all-powerful God who can do everything, who has made everything, that is not limited by anything but what the own, own bounds that he put on, his, on himself. We're asking him to do something that we cannot do. God, I can't do this. I need your help here. That's what we're doing. Prayer is calling on God. Turn to uh, Psalms chapter 55. Keep a marker in Ephesians. Turn to Psalms chapter 55. There's three parts to prayer here that I want to go over real quickly. And we'll find a great definition of what exactly prayer is in Psalms chapter 55. We're going to start in verse 16 when you get there. This is David speaking. Psalms 55 verse 16. The three parts of prayer. Uh, Psalms 55 16. As for me... I will call upon God, and the Lord shall save me. Evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. He hath delivered my soul in peace from the battle that was against me, for there were many with me. God shall hear and afflict them, even he that abideth of old, say law, because they have no changes, therefore they fear not God. What are the three parts of prayer? Number one, calling on God. You're crying out to God. You're calling on God. Verse 16, as for me, I will call upon God. Okay, that's David, David knew the necessity of it. You, you want to pray? You want to get in contact with God? You have to make the call. Okay, you got to pick up the phone, give him a call. You know what I mean? Hit your knees, fold your hands, however you want to do it. Cry out to God. Okay, this is you starting a conversation with the Lord. You have to let your petition be heard. You must take the initiative. You must make the time. You must go to God personally. It's not enough to come up to me and say, Preacher, will you pray for me about this? And you don't pray about it. I've got no problem praying for you, and I will, and I do. But whenever you you say, hey, can you pray for me? And I find out that you're not even praying for yourself. You think God's really going to pay much attention there? Well, they're concerned enough to shirk it on to the, to the preacher or onto someone else and say, well, it's his responsibility now. He needs to get my prayer answered. No, no, no. You go to God. You call out to God. It's a personal thing. It's you communicating with the Lord. Philippians 4, 6 says, Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. That's Philippians 4, 6. It's your responsibility to make your request be made known to God. Okay? So prayer is calling on God, number one. Uh, Number two, prayer is God hearing us. 
you understand communication requires a talker and a listener. You can talk all you want. If there's nobody there to listen, if, nobody's, if someone's present but they're not listening, that's not communication. Okay, <laughs> you can talk to yourself. I encourage it. I do it all the time. Okay, I'm a great listener and I'm a great talker and I just do them both. But if you want to communicate with someone else, and especially if you're trying to communicate with the Lord, you need someone who talks and someone who listens. God's willing to listen. But if God doesn't hear your prayer, it makes you, makes you think of this. If God doesn't hear your prayer, what good is it to pray? God can hear, but what can we do to get him to listen? What is it that we can do to make for sure that God only, not only hears, but is listening and paying attention whenever we're talking to him? You, don't you hate that whenever you're talking to someone and they're not paying any attention? I, that, that drives me nuts. You know, you start talking to somebody, and they just whip out their phone in the middle, and they're like, uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, uh. Oh, I'm sorry, what'd you say? That drives me nuts. I'm like, I'm talking to you. You know, right, right here, same room, you know, the person on the phone, they can wait. You don't know where they are. They're, they're going to put you on hold anyway. You know, why don't you talk to the person you're in front of? Whenever you're praying, you need to confront the Lord, okay? You, you need to make for sure you get his attention. Well, how, how can you get the Lord to listen to you? Well, persistency helped David get his prayers answered. Look at verse 17. He says, Evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. David says, just make for sure that the Lord heard me. I'm going to repeat myself. I'm going to pray in the morning. I'm going to pray in the noon. I'm going, to, I'm going to pray in the evening time. I'm going to pray several times to make for sure. Because if you don't know someone's paying attention to you or not, you know what you've got to do? Repeat yourself. You know what you got to do whenever you have kids, especially teenagers? You have to repeat yourself. Hey, I want you to do this. And then they do it halfway or they totally forget. Why didn't you do it? Oh, I forgot. But if you stay on them with it and you repeat and repeat and repeat, you know what happens? They get it done. They do it. You just have to repeat yourself. Persistency in prayer helps a lot. It helps the Lord to listen to your prayer. It shows him your desire to actually have it answered. David has confidence now that God will hear his prayer. Look at verse 19. He says, God shall hear and afflict them. He, they, his enemies had not got afflicted yet. But he's cried out to God. And he says, okay, I've, I've, I've prayed three times about this. I'm praying morning, noon, and night about it. God will hear. God shall hear and afflict them. Okay, it gives him confidence. So prayer is one, crying out to God. Number two, prayer is God hearing you. Prayer number three is God interceding in the affairs of men at their request and doing what men cannot do for themselves. It's God's intervention. God responding to the communication. Okay, you have the communication both ways. You're talking to the Lord. He's hearing you. You're reading the Bible. He's speaking to you. You're listening to him. You're you're hearing preaching. You're, You're doing the things you're supposed to be doing. So there's communication going back and forth. After that communication, there's action. God's intervening. Okay, David got delivered from his enemies because of God's intervention. We see that in verse 18. He hath delivered my soul in peace from the battle that was against me, for there were many with me. Okay, that's we get deliverance when a God intervenes. Why should we pray first off when battling our enemies? We'll turn back to Ephesians chapter 6. 
back in Ephesians chapter 6. We're clad in all this armor that God gave us. We're ready to fight the battle that he gives us the power to, to fight. And so why do we, why is the first thing, now that we're clad in this armor, now that we've got the sword of the Spirit, why do we need to hit our knees in prayer first thing off? Ephesians 6.10 Finally, my brethren, be strong in the, in the Lord and in the power of his might. Okay, our only defense is the strength of the armor of God that he gives us. Our only offense is the Lord's strength, his, the power of his might. So he protects us through the armor that he has given us. Now we need to call him and ask him for the help, for the victory that only he can deliver. Any sin that we have overcome is only through God's strength. Any addiction that we no longer have is by the Lord's might. Any soul that we've seen saved or growth that we've experienced or victories that we have won have only come by the grace of our Father above. If we want to have any kind of spiritual victory, we have to be praying men and women. We've got to beseech the Lord because it's his strength. It's not our cunning. It's not our eloquence. It's not our riches. It's not our abilities. It's his strength. It's the power of his might. So anything you want to do for the Lord, you have to start off with prayer. Praying always. Saying, Lord, I want to get this accomplished for you. I want this spiritual victory here. Lord, I want to serve you. I want to do something for you. It's got to start off with prayer. Okay, we need God's intervention in things that we can't do. Too often we think, oh, I can do it. Oh, no, no, no. I, I, I got this, so I don't have to pray about it. Yeah, just try that and see how well that works out. <laughs> You're going to fall flat on your face because we don't have the ability, especially whenever it comes to spiritual matters, to get anything done. Now, I, I am planning on doing a, a, a short three- to five-week Sunday school study on prayer in the near future. I stumbled across a lot of good information on prayer, and so I'd like to get into that, but I want to spend a couple weeks on it. We're going to do that uh, probably after, after this Ephesians study, honestly. So number one, first thing we've got to do is we've got to pray. Once we've got the whole armor of God, we've got to pray. Number two, what to do with the armor on? Watch over one another. Verse 18 it says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. So we get fitted with the whole armor of God. We pray for God to give us victory through His power and through His might and we use our armor and God's power to help us protect the brethren. And remember, this is against spiritual attacks. This is against the principalities, the powers, the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places, because the same forces that are attacking you are, for, are, are attacking those in the pew next to you. Okay, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 22. This gives us some great example here of how we should be watching over one another. 2 Timothy 2, starting verse 22. 
Bible says, flee also youthful lusts, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace, with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. That sounds like the brethren, doesn't it? They're calling upon the Lord out of a pure heart. But foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they do gender strifes. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who are taken captive by him at his will. So in verse 22, we're told to flee also youthful lust, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. That's, that's the brethren. And it sounds like we're using some of the armor of the God here, doesn't it? It mentions righteousness, so we're using the breastplate of righteousness. And it talks about faith, so we're using the shield of faith here. But we're using it for the good of other believers, Right? Flee also youthful us, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, and peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Oftentimes, we don't want to do that, though. We want to look down on them for not being as spiritual or as mature as we are. You know what that is? That's youthful us. You know what young guys do? They compete about anything. It doesn't matter. You know, they, they compete after, well, I, I can go get a date with her. No, 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 I can get a date with her, you know, and stuff. And so they'll compete about that or they'll, they'll compete at sports or, or anything like that. No, they'll make a competition at anything. But I could spit farther than you can, you know, and it just, what, whatever, they're, they're just competing. What is that? That's ignorance of youth. That's stupidity of being young. That's a, that's a youthful lust. Whenever we start growing and we start maturing, we, we start understanding the King James Bible and we're growing in our faith, it's a youthful lust to want to sit there and bicker and fight about it. Another youthful lust is found in verse 23. It says, But foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they do gender strifes. That they, they gender strifes. So that means that they are creating, they're producing strife. Okay, that, mean, that means it's causing fights. That's like fighting with the brethren over, over certain things. I'm, I'm so glad that if, if I disagree with, with somebody, there's, there are certain ones that I, I don't have to worry about fighting about. You know, but there's so many times the brethren, especially in our circles, they'll say, let's fight about the gap. You know, I'm, well, I'm for it. Well, I'm against it. Whatever, you know. And it's like, let's just spend months on end battling one another. And what are we doing? We're gendering strife with youthful lust. We're saying, oh, there's nothing more important to me than to proving that I'm right and they're wrong against someone else who is also spiritually mature, uh, spiritually mature, but they're acting spiritually immature. So God's got some well-trained soldiers sitting here battling among one another instead of helping out the brethren. They're, they're stuck in those useful lusts. And there's, there's several different things we can sit there and fight about. And there's plenty of the brethren that do. I'm glad we don't have any here that do that. But it, it's a waste of time. It's foolish and unlearned questions. We're supposed to avoid them, knowing that they do gender strifes. Babes in Christ are prime targets for the devil. You need to understand this. 
predators go after the young and the weak. You, you've seen it. You watch Animal Planet or something like that. You know, you see the, the lion going after the gazelles and stuff. Which one does he get? The slow one, the young one, the one that's limping, you know, the, the, the lame and the weak. He goes after the weakest one on the outside. There's safety in a herd. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walking about, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. The devil is that predator. The devil is the one going around, he's going around churches and around groups of Christians and just Christianity in general, and he's looking for the weak links. He's looking at the ones that are limping. He's looking at the ones that are young in the Lord, the easy targets. He's looking at them. And he's trying to devour them. The devil is trying to stop young Christians from becoming armor-clad soldiers of the cross. So he sets up traps. Look at verse 26. And that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. The devil's out to get you. I'll let you know that. I don't care your, your spiritual maturity level. The devil's out to get you. But he's laying traps for some of the weaker brethren that we are told to protect. They're the ones we're supposed to be using the whole armor of God for to, to help them against this, their spiritual enemies. Babes and adolescents in Christ need some armor-wearing Christians to stop bickering and acting like children and help them escape the devil. Look at verse 24. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. We need to put up with their appearance and their ignorance and their language, and their indecision, and their old habits, and their sin problems, and their immaturity, with the hopes that God is going to guide them to the truth. That's what we got to do with the brethren that are hurting themselves spiritually. Okay, they're, 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 they're falling into the traps of the devil, and they're frustrating because they're babes and they don't get it, and you have to repeat yourselves, and they... Or, or they come to church and they hear preaching against their sin and they're like, ah, whatever, you know, they just ignore it or they don't change. God's not working on them because they're not letting them. And, and they're, they're just, they're their own worst enemy. What are you supposed to do? Well, get mad and give up on them and just cast them out. No, no, no. Look at what it says. Verse 24. And the servant of the Lord must not strive. We're not bickering and fighting with them. But be gentle unto all men. Apt to teach. Patient. That's a hard one. In meekness, you're not any better than they are. You were, the, you were in their shoes once before. In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. They're doing themselves damage. They're hurting themselves. The devil's got traps out for them. The last thing they knew, need is for stronger comrades in arms to start attacking them as well. Because you don't know if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. One thing they're... they're it's going to happen one day if the Lord allows them to see it and, and gives them this knowledge that it's just going to click and they're going to be like, that's what it is. You know, the Lord's going to show something to them and be like, I should have been praying about this. 
you know, why, why don't I pray first? You know, God's, God's just going to start revealing different things that are going to help them out, but they're not going to get it if the ones that are more mature than them are fighting with them all the time. Turn back to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians 6, verse 18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance, you're putting up with them, and supplication for all saints. We should use our armor to act as spiritual bodyguards for other believers. We're to protect them with sound doctrine and patience. Be friendly and supportive of decisions that's going to bring them closer to Jesus Christ. They're excited about coming to church. Praise the Lord. Come on. Hey, they're, they're starting to pray. They're praying before meals, but they sound kind of awkward or something. It's like, praise the Lord. They're, they're, they're praying. That's good. You know, they, they said, well, I prayed yesterday. You know, that's great. Yeah, I mean, I made it. I made it three minutes, preacher. Praise the Lord. You're doing great. Keep up the good work. No, three minutes. Come on. Aren't you more thankful than that? I mean, can't you do <laughs> No, no, no. Patience, meekness, encouragement. They, you know, come on. You're doing fine. This is the per perseverance aspect. Being friendly and supportive of decisions that's going to bring them closer to Jesus Christ. Protecting them. That's the perseverance aspect in verse 18. Watching thereunto with all perseverance. You're hoping that they make it. Perseverance. There's another aspect, verse 18. Look at it right after this. We're perseverance and supplication for all saints. We're to be praying always, and we should be praying for one another. That's the supplication. You're praying to the Lord, saying, Lord, Lord, help them. Lord, they're weak. Lord, they're young. Lord, maybe they're just newly saved. They're, they're, they're not where I know they can be. Lord, their growth is on, on. That's between you and them. I'm not going to force them to grow or anything. But, Lord, they sure can use you. Please show them some things this week, Lord. Please help them. Give them something out of their Bible reading. Give them something out of the message. So we should be praying for them. Pray for the brethren that annoy you with their immaturity. Pray for others who are still battling sin. Pray for the gossiping sister that you're afraid to speak to because you don't know where that's going to go. Pray for the lazy brother who's addicted to entertainment and is not doing anything. Pray for these folks. Okay, pray for them. So number one, we're supposed to pray always. Number two, we're supposed to watch out for other brothers and sisters in Christ. Number three, things to do with your armor on. Pray for your spiritual leaders. That's verse 19. And for me that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. God speaks to us through his word, both while we read it and while we hear it being preached or taught. Okay, that's when the Holy Spirit's working on us. The Word of God is out. It's be, you're getting exposed to it. The Holy Spirit of God is working on you with the Word of God and saying, hey, hey look at this. Oh, ooh, look at this. You know, hey, you remember this other verse that goes with this one? And, and things start building up and you start growing and you start understanding. That's God communicating with you. And that, that happens whenever you're reading your Bible or whenever you're hearing good Bible preaching and teaching. 
Paul specifically asked the church at Ephesus to pray for him. And he didn't say, pray for my health. He didn't say, pray for my family. He didn't say, pray for my financial problems. He didn't say, pray for my traveling mercies. Okay, I'm doing a lot of traveling here. Pray for, I'm not saying those aren't bad things. That's not what Paul asked prayer for. It's good to pray for, that, for those things, one with another. But he asked that they, would, that they would pray that he might boldly proclaim what God wants him to say. Listen, we have set service times here. We have Sunday school at 10. We've got Sunday morning at 11, Sunday evening at 6, and we've got Wednesday night at 7. Each one of those times are planned times where we all come together with the desire to hear from God. Right? That, that's why we come to church. We want to hear from the Lord. At each service, we are hoping to hear a man of God preach or teach what God wants us to hear. Right? I mean, that's, that's why we come together. It's not a social club or anything like that. We want to hear from the Lord. I hope that's why you come to church. But if you want God to give you something good at the services that you attend, you should be praying for the preacher beforehand. You should be praying for God to give him the right message. You should be praying for God to give him the boldness to say what God wants him to say, not just what the congregation wants to hear. Look at what Paul was saying. Verse 19. Uh, and for me, that utterance may be given unto me, so I know, I know what to preach, that I may open my mouth boldly, there's resistance. It takes boldness whenever you're facing resistance. He's preaching, he wants to know what God wants him to say, and he wants God to give him the boldness to be able to say it. To make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. He says, I need God to tell me the message. I need God to give me the boldness to preach it. And I need God to let me be able to speak what I ought to speak. Every preacher faces some of the same challenges with every single message and every single lesson at every single service. What is that? Well, what to preach? You know, what, what is the topic going to be? Is it going to be just a passage? Is it going to be expository preaching, just going over a passage and just really opening it up? Is it going to be topical? Or are we going to just go over a certain subject all over the Bible? What, what is it that God wants him to preach at that certain point in time? Second thing he's got to deal with is how in-depth to go on it. It should be 37 lessons to go through the book of Ephesians. That's what it takes, you know. So, I mean, aren't you glad the Lord just gave me the exact number there? No, I mean, you need to know and you need to pray. How in-depth is he supposed to go in this? He needs to make sure not to take too long because if it goes past time, people are going to complain, you know, and maybe they're going to quit coming because dinner was cold or whatever. They, they, preachers face finding and making the time to study and pray about the message or the lesson. Okay, they've they got to make time to do that. Making the time to make the notes in preparation. You've got to spend time sitting down, making some notes, saying, okay, Lord, what is it you want me to preach? Okay, that's what I'm going to preach. How in-depth do I need to go? What is it that I need to remember? Let me write, jot down some notes. You know, something else every preacher faces when, uh, when coming up with a message or lesson is making time to prepare the notes, but praying that God might use them and for God to get the people there that he wants to hear the message. You know, a preacher or a, a pastor or a preacher, anybody that's preparing some, something to speak on God's behalf because that's, that's what the pulpit's for. You know, it's trying to relay God's message to the people. 
So they got to sit there and, and pray and say, God, can you, can you get the message to the folks? Lord, can you just get me out of your way and can you, can you get it to them? Because, Lord, they need it. So that, that takes a lot of time. You not only prepare the message, but you got to prepare yourself. God, can you get my heart right on this? Can you, can you get aside these distractions? Got a lot of things going on. And can you help me to focus on, on you and the message that you have? And, and Lord, can you just can you help me with that? Can you get my heart right? I've been struggling with this sin or that sin or whatever the case may be. And, and Lord, just, just help me with this. They've got to worry about getting their heart right. And this is with every service, three times on Sunday, once on Wednesdays, however many other preaching opportunities someone might have. But listen, this doesn't just apply to me. This applies to Brother Wade whenever he preaches or teaches. This, this applies to any missionary or, or pastor or preacher that we have come through here. They've got to come up with these same things. It's the same struggle. Lord, what do I preach? And they, it's a preparation of it, getting their heart right, all these different things. They've got to deal with all this in hopes to get God's message from him to you guys. As armor-clad Christians, we should be praying for every preacher and every teacher that we get to hear at every service. Okay? And not just for the message for our own benefit, but for the preacher personally up to, through, and after each message. Because it's easy to pray and say, Lord, I'm going to church on, on Sunday morning. Could you please give me something good? God, I need help with this. Can you just... Give me the answer in the message today because I need it. That is very selfish. <laughs> or you could say, God, can you just prepare the preacher to give your message, whether it's for me or whether it's for someone else, whether it makes me feel good or whether it hurts my feelings. God, can you just give him what we need to hear, not what I want to hear? Lord, that... Uh you might open his mouth with boldness to make known the mystery of the gospel for, because he's an ambassador to you, Lord, and that he may speak boldly as he ought to speak. God, would you do that for this preacher or for this teacher because it's Sunday school. There's a thought praying over about Sunday school instead of the Sunday morning message. It's still the same God trying to give you the same, same thing. Verse 21, look at this. Well, back up to verse 20. For which I am ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak, but that ye also may know my affairs and how I do. Tychicus, a beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, shall make known to, known to you all things, whom I have sent unto you, for the same purpose that ye might know our affairs and that he might comfort your hearts. Paul is sending someone, this Tychicus guy, he's, he's sending them ahead with the letter, with the, uh, the book of Ephesians, sending them ahead. And he says, listen, I'm sending him up there. He's going to comfort your hearts. He's going to show you some of the, uh, he's going to show you the letter that I just written to you. He's going to help you out in spiritual matters. He's going to be a blessing to you. One of the other reasons I'm sending him ahead is because I want you to know what we're going through. I want you to know where we're at. I want you to know our plans to come to you. I want you to know the battles that we're facing. I want you to know my affairs. I want you to know my business so you know how to pray for me. Paul's desirous of that. 
you know, I'm, I might be a little too open of a preacher. I might let more information out than what I probably should. Why? Because I, I want you to know my affairs, most of them. Some of them, I, none of your business, you don't need to know them. But you need to know what's going on so you know how to pray for a spiritual leader. Because as you're clad with the armor of God, that's what God expects of you. He says, okay, you're a big boy now. You got on the armor of God, you're a spiritual warrior for Jesus Christ. Pray for the messenger. Pray that God will use him to get the message to you, whether it's me or whether it's Brother Wade or whether it's Sunday morning or whether it's Sunday school or Sunday night or maybe it's just a Wednesday night or, or whatever. If you rank them different, you know, how you like them, you know, you give them different priorities up there. You need to be praying for the preacher. You need to be praying for the teacher and saying, God, give them boldness. Give them the message. Give them boldness. Give me the thick skin that I need to be able to withstand it. But Paul's sending Tychicus up there to, to let them know whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose, that you might know our affairs and that he might comfort your hearts. Communication lines are vital in a war. Okay? If the ones in charge can't get the commands to the ones on the front lines, there's going to be mass confusion, there's going to be heavy casualties, and there's going to be defeat. Because the ones that know that they know what's best, if they can't get it to those that have boots on the ground, the soldiers that are clad in armor and have got the weapons, if that message doesn't get to them, there's going to be disarray, there's going to be hurt, there's going to be defeat. So what do you need to do? What would you, why I say pray for the preacher, it's because you're praying for those communication lines. God, speak to us. God, I'm fighting spiritual battles. I'm trying to look out not just for myself and for my family, but for the spiritual needs of other brothers and sisters in Christ. God, please keep the communication lines intact. Lord, help the delivery boy to get the message to us. God sends his communication through the word of God when you read it and through the preaching and teaching of his word through a preacher during a service. I can personally attest to the heavy attacks that the devil puts on a preacher, especially through attacking his family in every single possible way. What is that? That is the devil trying to cut off communication, at least one of the channels of communication between you and God. The devil says, if I can take out that preacher, if I can stop that Sunday school lesson, if I can keep them from coming to church or whatever, whatever it is that stops the communication from God to those in the pew, if the devil can do that, he's got a victory. Listen, I want you to understand, I need your prayers. My family needs your prayers. And not just for the message right before you come to the service but for boldness, for the right words, to hear from God all week, all week long. There's no telling when the Lord gives me a message or whenever he lays on my heart. Sometimes he lets me know or Monday morning. You know, sometimes I know a couple weeks in advance. Sometimes I know Saturday <laughs> for Sunday. There's no telling. But I need your prayers. And I need that, that you would pray that God would protect me and my family so that we make it to the services. We've missed a service or two because of, of family issues. 
Okay, this, we, we need the protection of God. We need God to help us. So we, let's strap on the armor of God. Let's hit our knees in prayer. Let's pray always. Let's, let's use the armor of God and the sword of the Spirit to defend and help the brethren. And let's do something for the Lord. But we've got we to gotta establish those communication lines, both between us and God through prayer, but between God and us through reading the Word of God and through preaching and teaching. That's what we need. So let's do something for the Lord. Let's take a break there, and we'll get ready for the morning service.